I'd like to welcome you to the Jed Hughes Podcast. Each episode will feature a unique leader and will delve into the qualities that inspire greatness, galvanize organizations, and teach the next generation of aspiring leaders. Jed ran the process that resulted in the hiring of Pete Carroll, Jim Harbaugh, Andy Reid, Masai Uzuri. Now, according to Forbes, Jed is the most connected man in sports. My guest today, in my opinion, is the most respected general manager in the National Football League. He and Pete Carroll over the last 10 years have built a relationship and a competitive environment that have allowed the Seattle Seahawks to compete for divisional championships and be a Super Bowl winner. His personality, his passion, broad-based understanding of what it is to be a general manager and understanding the issues associated with players, with contracts, with building rosters, and getting the chemistry right is a recipe for continued success. I welcome John Snyder. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining us. You bring this engaging, positive, the way you conduct business in the NFL world. It's refreshing. Well, I appreciate you saying that, Jed. Thanks for having me. This is cool. Over the last 10 years, uh, your collaboration and, and low ego has helped make the Seahawks a perennial contender. So you think about uh, your relationship uh, and how things have happened uh, within your organization and your style. So if you go back on your style, who's been the, who the people have influenced your congeniality? I mean, just the way you approach things in a, such a positive way. First of all, I appreciate you saying that. Second of all, I think um, obviously Ron Wolf hired me uh, first. You know, first off as a as a as a college kid. You know, as a junior, yeah, as you a, wrote him a letter. It intern, right? Right. I wrote him wrote him a long letter, and and uh, that staff was incredible. That staff uh, that Ron put together there with coach, you know, with Coach Holmgren and and uh, Andy Reid and John Gruden and Ray Rhodes. You know, Steve Mariucci. I mean, it was like a at that point. You didn't have a Dick Duran was on it, Marty Morningwick. I mean, it just goes on and on, right? But at that at that time, you know, there wasn't a ton of uh, sports management programs in the country. Now I get these these resumes coming in that are like, you know, I have my doctorate in sports management and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, holy smokes! Like, I would have no chance now. But I think the, that that group initially was a huge influence, and uh, Ted Thompson was there as well. Ted was a, is a, a very, very low ego guy who really taught me a lot about team building in terms of what, how the players are looking at it, how the players view things in the locker room. And then when I went to Kansas City, you know, Coach Schottenheimer was very similar to, to Ted in that both Coach Schottenheimer and Ted, when they were playing, Marty, were uh, they were kind of like, you know, the 53rd guy. They were the last, they were always worried about their jobs all the time. And so the respect that you show players and others, both those guys said, huge influences on me in that regard. You know, I had worked for guys, Jed, that, you know, a general manager that was in charge of everything, a head coach that was in charge of everything, you know, a, a president that was in charge of everything. And if I was ever able to be in that position, I always wanted to be with somebody that had a ton of input input, and would, would challenge you and stimulate you. And you could have that open relationship. And, you know, we talk, we talk about having no walls. So I guess that would be the, the primary influencing, if you will. 
you know, it's interesting when I did some work with the Packers back when you were talking about, I, I had some long conversations with Ron Wolf, and he talked about when Holmgren was there. Yeah. The thing that they used to do is they used to go into a room, just the two of them, and they'd hash everything out and everybody had put their ego aside and whatever they did, they made the best decision for the Packers. And until Mike had some success and decided that he wanted to do it on his own, that was kind of the way they they ended up doing things. And um, yeah. it sounds a lot like what goes on I mean, with you and, and uh, with Pete. Yeah, you know, uh, very interesting. But when I was right before, so 2010, right before we came to Seattle, I was actually, we were, we were, I was with the Packers, we were playing in Arizona and I was actually, you know, preparing your, you know, interview book, if you will. Yeah. Right. Right. For, uh, for, for Todd Lawicki and, and Paul Allen. And, uh, you know, I had like probably 30 pages in there of head coaches and we we're getting ready to leave early to go to Arizona. Uh, we played on a Saturday. So we left on, you know, the Thursday that morning or the night before there was this whole, the whole, you know, the, the, the Seahawks had hired Pete Carroll. So, I was like, holy smoke. So I went to my book and like ripped out like 30 pages of coaching stuff because Todd had done such a great job of recruiting the position and the, how, what you talked about with Pete, like a low ego, like we didn't really know each other. You know, I, I had met him a couple of times, you know, in passing, going to the school, you know, we really didn't know each other. And to Pete's credit, he really, he really just wanted input into who the general manager was going to be. And not necessarily like a, a football czar, if you will, because you've been around guys like that. What's interesting is that I think over the 10 years you two have been together, and we talked about this on the phone, is that uh, the relationship that Pop and RC have and the success they have had 10 years that you two have been together. I mean, I, 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 you put that up against any tandem. And it doesn't, I mean, Belichick does stuff by himself. The Packers blew up their organization. Uh, the Steelers, you know, have been consistent but you've got ownership involvement yours is just basically the two of you and your groups and and so right. forth it's it's unique in terms well, of how you've been able to make it work i appreciate you saying that and i think that the you know the what's next and the low ego you know that ryan holiday book ego is the enemy right like i mean that's right. that is so legit and you've been around and with all your recruiting and everything I, I know you've seen a lot of individuals where it's, it's more about them than it is about the final um the final product. And so Pete's had this, when we got together, we had this basically saying like, you know, always compete, you know, and in everything we do and let's do it better than anybody's ever done it before. And then mine was, you know, you know, let's be a consistent championship caliber football team so that, so that your fans feel like you're in it every single year. You don't go into that year feeling like you don't, you know, your fans feel like you're, you may not have a shot and they're all of a sudden they're just hoping that you get the first pick in the draft or something like that. You know, that it's always exciting that what's next for us and not looking back is really, really important. We, we, we only look back in terms of uh, trying to learn from our mistakes and that helps in terms of not looking back and being, you know, you'll have plenty of time later on to like look back, right. You know, be proud of some accomplishments and all that and, and that sort of thing. But Really, it's like, well, what's next? What do we prepare for? We always just are, are constantly talking about no finish line. And in that aspect of Pete, that, that competitive level has really uh, helped me professionally as well. Well, the first year you do, you have 284 moves. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. On yeah, how, we, in terms of your roster construction and how you've gone about doing that, 
whether it's been, whether it's been through the draft, whether it's been through trades, whether it's been through free agents or bringing guys in to try out. I mean, you've, yeah. you've worked the system. We try to do it in every aspect, whether it's sports science, you know, obviously personnel, our training room, and you know, this, 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 this COVID situation with all the tiers and all the protocols and everything has been, it's been a great challenge for our whole organization and we're playing in Atlanta. So you know, we usually fly early. So what's the purpose of flying early if we're gonna have to get the guys up at three o'clock Pacific time, right. To get tested. So we're able to get that accomplished. I mean, it's just a, uh, it's, it's not just the transactions or the, the, the football aspect in terms of, you know, schematics or, or acquisition. It's about, it's about every, every department in, in the football operation and what, what, what people can do to get better every single day. When you think about your background and, and you mentioned some of the different areas that people come out of, they come out of scouting, they come out of whether it be the, the contract negotiation side, the salary cap side, sure. you could come out of development. They could come out after having been a coach, moving into scouting. I mean, what do you see as your core when you, when you've built your profile of your success? Now it's obviously broadened since you've taken on this role, where did you feel your sweet spot was? That's a great question. I think uh, it had to be early on when I started in Green Bay because both uh, Ted Thompson and, and Ron Wolf loved to be out on the road scouting. I mean, here I was in there with Coach Holmgren, you know, at, at 22, 23 years old, you know, years of age, and, you know, talking about we need to get a tight end in here, we need to get a runner in here, we need another receiver, we need to, you know, and, and so I really – at a very young age, was able to uh, be around a, the football operation and learn how to evaluate from from Ron and Ted and and uh, and Dorse was there. John Dorsey had just yep. started, so he had helped me too in terms of getting my thoughts down and being able to write. But the football operation part was really at a young age was probably that was probably the what's uh, being able to touch the equipment people and, and touch the doctors and the trainers. Um, in the fields crew at a very, very young age that uh, I was very blessed in that regard because a lot of people aren't uh, enabled to touch as many people as I did. So it was probably that very, very beginning part. Your 2014 Super Bowl and 2015, you're in it. And then you, you do the big contract with uh, your quarterback and then you kind of have to redo the roster. So, I mean, yeah. uh, and going through a lot of different, you know, a lot of turmoil. But you Absolutely. end up rebuilding it, and again back, back at the back in the seat in, in the playoffs and competitive. So, what went into? I mean, that was hard work. That was some tough, tough hard, work, on hard work and tough decisions because we were a relationship-based organization and a developmental organization. So, it's really tough, you know, when you have to be when you have to move on from players and that have been. And, and coaches too, with you know, yeah, so call it, coaches uh, too, right? Yeah, call it Dan Quinn and Gus, and you know, uh, Dan Morgan on our side going to to Buffalo, you know. Uh, so uh, Ed Dodds going to Indianapolis, you know, on our uh, on the personnel side. So those just tough decisions from a cap standpoint uh, with players, uh, knowing that if you prepare yourself mentally, like okay, we have to have this balance of of, of the relationships. But being honest with the players in terms of where they stand, and that's that that was one thing that you know you said the influencers Marty Schottenheimer always talked to me about. He's like, you know, never ever BS a player. Let always let them know exactly where they stand because you know how did you feel? And I, so I played Division three ball, right? So it was like, right. okay, why is that guy starting ahead of me? Why why do they like this guy better? And then you know you you start playing those mental games, and 
you just gotta want to know where you stand. So that balance of trying to be a relationship based organization, but knowing that you're gonna have to have really tough decisions was really a, a huge aspect of, of what we went through in terms of trying to be that consistent, you know, trying to get back there as quickly as we could without going to pick at the top five or if that's where you're headed. Sorry. Yeah. So talk about your culture. I mean, it's unique. I mean, just in terms of the way Pete is so upbeat and so positive. Yeah. He's 20 years older than me. And there's, there's, there's a lot of days where I feel like he has much more energy than I do. <laughs> and, and, and his, his outlook on life is extremely, extremely positive. He talks about, you know, there's something positive that's going to happen every 10 minutes, you know, like there's something really cool is coming around the corner. Like what's next, you know, like, what are we, what are we going to see? So, um, for me, <laughs> that's different for me growing up as, you know, you know, Green Bay, Wisconsin, Catholic, I'm always on the other side where I'm like a little nervous about like what's coming, like, yes. uh, what, what do, how do we, so that's kind of what drives me that, that, that feeling of like, okay, if we don't, if this player gets, is sick or this player is hurt, who's going to come in and who's next and how are we going to, how are we going to replace them? And that's kind of what, that's kind of that mixture of our culture, which drives both of us. So when you think about bringing players into your organization and you bring a variety of different personalities, what are the traits you're looking for, for people to be able to fit this culture? It's very broad. And I'd be lying to you if it hasn't, you know, the requirements and expectations haven't changed over the years um, in terms of balancing the talent level with who the person is at their core. And we've gotten back to uh, this year, especially our guys did a fantastic job of of really getting back to studying who the player was, who the prospect was, what he's overcoming. And we always talk about, we, we, you have to have, you have to have had some sort of adversity. And what have you, what, cause you're going to hit a ton of adversity at this level, right? You know, the five stars that have always had it, you know, like we, we tend to not stay away from those guys, but really, really scrutinize what they've overcome in their lives because they've been recruited at such a young age. So it's really, I would have to say, you know, that that level of grit and who the person is at their core. So Russell Wilson, what made him so attractive to you? I mean, a lot of people passed on him. You didn't. Yeah. His self-efficacy, his preparation, the way he viewed himself is on a level that's very, you know, unprecedented because he's he's it's very rare. That's why you see him, you know, coming back in fourth quarters of so many games. Uh, Everybody at the school, Brett, Bielema, Barry, Coach Alvarez, they talked about how he prepared for games, like, you know, how he envisioned where the, you know, where the scoreboards were, where the, where the time clock was, you know, where, what sidelines were going to be on. And they were playing Michigan State the week I was there. They were talking about, he was asking, it's all about the details. You know, what, what is the stadium going to look like? You know, what, what time are we going to get there? What, how do I go out and prepare? And then being able to watch him, again, they played Michigan State, Later, um, I saw him play live against Kirk Cousins in the Big, Big Ten Championship game and being there early to watch his prep, you know, the pre-pregame, sure. yeah. watch his preparation there was was outstanding. And then he had a great Super Bowl, uh, Senior Bowl week. And his, uh, I actually stayed away from him after the combine. So I, uh-huh. just tried, I just tried to just, I didn't want to, I was so sold on the guy. <laughs> was that an easy decision for you and Pete to come together on? No, it wasn't because he was rare. it was rare. Uh, I remember Pete talking to um, Coach Grant, Bud Grant, about you know Fran Tarkington, and mm-hmm. what is that you know being 
a shorter quarterback and what does that look like? And then, you know, I talked to Ron a ton about it. Like, you know, what quarterbacks, Ron Wolf, like what quarterbacks have you been around? You know, that where's the, the lack of height? Where does that come in? Because other than a lack of height, this guy checks all the boxes. He can mm-hmm. even go to the arm length and his hand size. He checked all the boxes. Mm-hmm. The social unrest that's engulfed our, our, our country. How have you, how's the organization handled that? How have, has Pete dealt with it, with the team and, and you with the organization and so forth? Chuck Arnold, our, our, our president, is, has, and those guys have done a ton of amazing things you know, upstairs with, with all the different initiatives that we have going on. And then Pete's, Pete's very, Pete's so strong with it, with the players. He's been through a ton, you know, the experiences that he's had in life are, uh, you know, being 20 years older than me are just naturally, you know, he grew up in San Francisco. I grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Right. So, you know, he's just, he's experienced a lot more uh, with social unrest and just has, uh, I think he just has natural leadership. Uh, skills in that regard and, and uh, the empathy. And I think with all of us, I think it's, it's really, you know, it just goes with our culture. Like how, how do we fix it? Like, let's not just come, you know, complain about it. Like what's next? How do we fix it? You know, how, how are we going to, you know, we were up late talking about it last night, not the players, just a couple staff members, you know, after we landed and stuff. So, you know, what, what steps do you take? But I think again, Pete's so strong with it. It's pretty cool to watch. And, and I think that, uh, Again, Chuck Arnold's done a great job with, you know, getting processes in place and, and, and speakers to come in and, you know, what, what they're doing in the community is outstanding. The way the pandemic has affected your uh, preseason and preparation, did Pete's college experience help him, you think, at all in terms of preparing the squad? Absolutely. Yeah, I know he had other coaches calling him and, and talking about, well, how are we going to, you know, we're just going to go play games, <laughs> you know, and he was so used to it had several games, you know, they, they started out with Auburn. Auburn was, you know, top five team. And, you know, yes, it was a number one, number two team at the time. I mean, they just started off some seasons where they had some really big games too. Yes. So, so I think that, 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 that preparation, you know, his, his being able to envision what that looks like and, and also, you know, trying to take care of the players as much as we possibly can and work with uh, Sam Rams and our sports science staff and being listening to the players and, you know, we've had the pandemic in this last week. Now we've had, you know, all the fires up there, the air quality is awful. Yeah, right. You know, Pete got the guys off the field earlier the other day, just because it was so hot and it was, you know, harder to breathe. And, you know, the staff's, you know, staff's wearing masks out there and stuff, you know, so there's no doubt he's prepared for this probably better than any other coach in the NFL, in my opinion. So you've been six and zero. Uh, with home games in the playoffs, no fans. How's that going to affect? I think it's definitely going to have an effect. The guys totally feed off that. You know, CenturyLink's also a place to play. You want to get that place rocking. And, you know, on the flip side, you're going to play, you're going to play in venues where they've struggled to put people in the stands a little bit. And there's going to be, at the time, they could change this. It's going to be 70. The, the decibel level is going to be 70. And, and you know, some teams – you know, we played a couple of places late in the year last year where, you know, the fans didn't really show up. So we, it was kind of a home game for us, you know, and that drives the players obviously. Um, and they feed, you know, they feed off that. So I think that, you know, it's definitely going to have an effect on the guys. It, you know, it's good. Things are going to be so even this year. It's um, I don't think you're going to have that home field advantage. And then you're not going to have that, you know, that away, that away game advantage either, you know, later in the season when people are out of it. 
It's interesting. I've talked to two of the presidents of baseball operations uh, for the Twins and the Brewers. And they said from a fan perspective, it's yeah. really affected them. Some players really struggled because of what you just said, being able to you know thrive off of that listen to the crowd and the enthusiasm and so forth. Yeah. And, they, and they're really, and they're really struggling to, without the fans. I'll bet, you know, to have your, hear your name yell, you know, people yelling your name and yeah, it's going to be, it's, it's so much of it. I think you saw it the other night. It's just more of, it just seems to be more of a, you know, the show, right. The presentation of it, but that's where we are. And the NFL's done a great job, you know, getting us ready to roll. So here we go. Since you've been a general president, executive and what's the biggest surprises that you've encountered in terms of your job, other than the pandemic and the social unrest that we faced this year, but just yeah. coming into your role, were there things that, that you really felt, wow, I'm surprised at the breadth or the scope of, or the depth of something you had to really understand? You know, I think it's just a daily thing, really. You know, uh, I remember talking to Bill Polian right away when, when we started here. He gave me the monkey theory, right, that, you know, when you when you show up at work, just know that somebody, you know, every, everybody's going to be giving you monkeys throughout the day and you're going to have them on your back. If you keep, if you don't make a decision and, and fix something right away, uh, address something right away and, and let things linger. All of a sudden by noon, you're going to have all these, you're carrying all these monkeys around all day on your back, you know, and showing up and uh, you know, being prepared every day that you're showing up for work. That's something, you know, you're going to have at least 10 things hit you that you really don't expect or know about and that's you know guys that are first-time general managers and great evaluators and that sort of thing that's that would be my advice to them is that you know just know that you you have to try to have a mindset that something's going to you know something's going to come out of nowhere and you're going to have to address it fix it deal with it you know the way we're raised in this industry you're not net because you don't necessarily you're not prepared uh, from an experience standpoint you can be a great evaluator but what does that look like as an administrator and uh, so I think that's that's probably the biggest thing that my experience being a general manager has taught me. Like all those damn things are happening daily that, you know, you're you can be a marriage counselor. You can be a um, drug counselor. You can be, a, you know, I remember, shoot, second year we were here holding big off, hugging a big offensive lineman. His best friend had, you know, take, taken his life the night before a game. And, you know, you're not, you know, when you're just in that scout, that evaluating world. You're not used to that. Well, the breadth and depth of what you have to deal with and what you've dealt with for the 10 years you two have been together, it's, it's been incredible. Yeah, it's, I appreciate it. It's been, it's, it's been, it's been a blast. Hopefully we, keep, we can keep it going. Well, I mean, look, the ability to sell, solve problems and be adaptable, it seems like in, this, in today's uh, day, those two qualities are really important. No question. No question. Being adaptable. I mean, we were downstairs COVID testing at, I think our time was two o'clock in the morning, right? So to make sure that all the tests were out by 8.30, uh, headed up to New Jersey to get evaluated. I think as people look and study the National Football League, uh, in terms of looking at general managers that they want to build a model after, you're going to be the, you're going to be the one they're going to want to build it after. <laughs> Quit it, man. I'm you're serious. so nice. I appreciate you. You're oh, very- true. I mean, you've been yeah. in one organization. You've been well trained by, you know, whether it be Ron Wolf or Marty or Ted Thompson. And, and you're working in, a, in an environment where you and the head coach have an incredible relationship. And, you know, that's not easy to find. I'm talking to basketball, NBA coaches, 
you know, all, all different kinds of people and trying to get that right environment to be able to be successful in, you've built your own bubble, so to speak. Appreciate you saying that. We've, we've prayed hard and we've worked hard now. You'll be rewarded. Listen, I appreciate your friendship. Uh, yeah, you too. The amount of times you've helped me on things I was working on. And again, appreciate you coming on and, and spending some time and sharing your thoughts and ideas with me. And all yeah, right. Well, I appreciate you too, Jed. This was, this was, this was a blast.